Good morning, everyone. I hope that you're fully caffeinated and fully comfortable in your comfortable chairs. It's wonderful to be here with you this morning to continue our Press Play series. You all have the advantage of the fact that I just did this at 8.15, where I learned that my, my manuscript is a little too long, so I'm going to cut it a little bit. But uh, that's, I guess that's why you come to the 9.30. <laughs> You know, which you, you, you have the, the benefit of knowing which jokes have fallen flat and which ones have worked, and you just get the good stuff. So we're, topic today is hobbies. Hobbies are something that we do for enjoyment, something that we do in our leisure time. And like so many things, our hobbies embody our values. At our best, our hobbies give us the chance to be creative, to connect and to choose, because no one's making us do our hobbies. We get to make that choice. Now, we'll get to the part of the sermon in a little bit where our hobbies go sideways, because there's always a twist, right? But for now, I wanted to start by telling you about a hobby that has come to mean a lot to me. In 2014, I went from very abruptly from being a part-time college professor to being a stay-at-home mom in a new city and to be honest, I pretty much took up residence on the struggle bus, right? Both of my kids were in diapers. Of course, my newborn was not sleeping through the night. My two-year-old alternated between uh, extreme separation anxiety and acting like Curious George, the extremely mischievous monkey who never, ever seems to experience the consequences of his behavior. Sounds like a good icon for a two-year-old, right? A few months earlier, my schedule had featured regular childcare, college students who paid attention when I was talking, a schedule with classes, with weekends, with school holidays, and the new schedule that I had, it flattened into a very short cycle that had a lot to do with my children's bodily functions. All of the feeding, the diaper changes, the dishes, the meals, the naps, bedtime, nighttime feedings, they all merged together. It was like one endless playlist on repeat. Well, I mean, actually, the playlist was kind of short, but it was definitely on repeat because I'd finished one cycle and I would start the next. It had started even before I had cleaned the dishes, much less put them away. I really felt like I could not get a handle on life, and I definitely could not get ahead. And getting ahead is kind of important to me, but regardless. I don't remember the exact sequence of events. Perhaps we were on a break from the monkey who occasionally got banned in our household, but we were reading the corduroy books, and I thought it would be really sweet to have a stuffed bear to join us on the futon while we read our corduroy books. Uh, one thing led to another, I couldn't find one that I liked on the internet, and I pulled out my sewing machine that I had purchased at a yard sale, and I lost myself in the wonders of measuring and cutting and stitching, and a sewing machine that was so loud I couldn't even hear the kids if they were trying to talk to me. I was so pleased with the result. I made some corduroy overalls for our bear, and I think there's a picture of my work because that's what we do when we craft. We show the slides of our corduroy bears with their cute purple pockets that have the white stitching around them. 
Well, trust me, it was really amazing. It was awesome, and I had so much fun doing it. I was so pleased with the result. The task combined creativity and accomplishment. I got to use a part of my brain that had been dormant. I got to finish something that I didn't have to redo later. My hobby connected me with people because I found out that my friends were also sewers. Sewers is the word, not seamstresses, fun fact. And we would swap ideas and patterns. We would get together for something called craft night. It was amazing. And I just loved getting to create something that was entirely my choice. And uh, so the, the, the hobby invited, it, it embodied that creativity, connection, and choice. Now, the challenge with a sermon that starts with a topic of hobbies rather than a text is that sometimes you look in the text and you don't find anything on your topic. We'll be mostly disappointed if we search the Bible for the word hobbies. Hobbies is a recent invention. It's something that is not in the Bible because the Bible is an ancient text written in an ancient world. Of course, we have biblical characters who go fishing, who build, who craft, who sew, who bake, who sculpt, but these aren't things that are done in their leisure time for pleasure. These are tasks that they do to either produce food or to pay for food. But there is a strong sense of work hard, play hard in the Bible, in antiquity. In addition to getting the Sabbath day off once a week, which is pretty great, ancient Israelites had several major festivals where God pretty much said, throw a party, people, have a festival, no work. You can dance, you can have poetry, you can have music. These are available to commoners. It is a divinely sanctioned party or festival. The closest thing that we might have to a hobby is King David. So before he was king, David was a shepherd who had a side hustle as a harpist. And he was not just a harpist, but he was a good harpist. So King Saul was having headaches, and he asked his slaves to find um, someone who could play the harp. And so David would, came to live in the palace, and he, when Saul had a headache, David would play for the harp for him, and the headache would go away. The king would be soothed. And that's one of the stories about how David became beloved of King Saul. Hobbies are things that we do for enjoyment in one's leisure time. Some people say there are four kinds of hobbies. There are physical hobbies, like maybe dancing, yoga, hiking, exercise, bike, running. Those are things that get us out of our minds and into our bodies. There are cerebral hobbies, like Sudoku, crosswords, puzzles, things like that that activate a part of our brain and give us a chance to practice our concentration. The third kind of hobby are creative hobbies, like painting, writing, sewing, singing, crafting. Sometimes these hobbies end up with some sort of product or accomplishment. Sometimes it's just for the sake of doing. Well, always it's for the sake of doing, because that's the definition of a hobby, is doing it for the sake of doing it. The fourth kind of hobby is a community or service hobby, like being a court-appointed active advocate, a CASA volunteer, volunteering at the church, perhaps, 
being a tutor, being a lunchtime mentor with our school partnerships. I mean, there are others that aren't related to our church, but I'm just gonna throw those out there. One study found that there are many, I mean, there are many benefits for hobbies, but listen to the, the list from this one hobby, from this one study. Better physical health, more sleep, lower stress, happiness, more friends, improved work performance. If that doesn't convince you you need a hobby, you can just, I don't know what will. Hobbies have become a way to distinguish ourselves. One of my uh, really scholarly research uh, searches on hobbies using Google's found that you can now find some tips on how to include your hobbies on your resume or on your college application. Lots of reasons for hobbies, but the important thing to remember is that these are byproducts of hobbies. They're not the hobby themselves. Hobbies are about doing the thing for the pleasure of it, not doing it so that you can get into college, sorry. Hobbies are an end in themselves. They're not a means to an end. So a few weeks ago, I did an informal and unscientific survey on Facebook and to find out what kinds of hobbies people have. I got all sorts of results, baking, golf, photography, hunting, reading, composing and creating, crocheting, knitting, watercolors, fishing, all sorts of opportunities. And as I've reflected on my own hobbies and my unscientific study, I found that there are three main aspects that have really kind of activated our hobbies that make them holy and they remind us of what is real. And that is the creativity, the connection, and the choice. As humans, we are not just machines producing work and accomplishing goals. We are created in God's image. And that means that we get to participate and join in the beautiful acts of creation. We get to imagine alternate realities and create new possibilities. We get to add to the beauty. And that's actually what the title of a song by singer-songwriter Sarah Groves. She says, we come with beautiful secrets. We come with purposes written on our hearts, written on our souls. We come to each new morning with possibilities only we can hold. Redemption comes in strange places, in small spaces, calling out the best of who we are. And I want to add to the beauty, to tell a better story. I want to shine with the light that's burning up inside. For many of my friends, their creative hobbies cultivate connection as well. It's kind of a two-for-one, connection and creativity. We have Nancy Brown, who goes to our 815 service, and her hobby is card making, and they are beautiful cards, works of art. She shares them with us, and we send them out into our community. Maybe you've received one. Uh, they're gorgeous. They're works of art. Another example is our K2P2 ministry that really connects uh, people with, uh, it, it's, a, it's a ministry that's creative, it's connectional, and it, people gather monthly to knit or crochet uh, prayer shawls, and the very act of praying is stitched into the shawl, and then it gets wrapped around someone who is suffering from a chronic illness or in treatment. It connects participants to one another and to people who are ill. 
The next slide is of Abby Bailey, who is one of our online uh, worshipers, and she is an amazing kid who crochets, and she is our most productive K2P2 person at this point. And she, she crochets and prays, and her gifts are um, to our community, and it's that beautiful, connectional, creative combination. Our friend Martha Jolly over here, she uses her sewing skills for Glory Baby Ministry, making prayer hearts and burial gowns for families who have lost infants. If you have this skill, they currently have a waiting list. They have 50 families on their waiting list to receive the gowns and the hearts. So you can see Martha to, to sign up for that ministry. Uh, many of our hobbies just lend themselves really naturally to connecting, whether it's camping or tennis or golf. We do these with other people. We watch our kids' sports with other people, train for races. Now, by far, the most enthusiastic response to my, my survey was by Jennifer Coomer Johnson, who talked about her great love for the IndyCar series. She was very enthusiastic and the most enthusiastic person about her hobby. And she talked about how the IndyCar series marries tradition and innovation and creates excitement and community. And uh, yeah, the, this is just a sampling of her love for this, this event. The third aspect of hobbies that I want to highlight is choice. A true hobby is what we choose to spend our time on. We're not coerced into doing it. We're not paid to do it. The goal of the hobby is to enjoy it. As soon as we're doing the activity, we're doing the thing. We're enjoying it. We should be enjoying it. We don't have to finish it. We don't have to check it off. It's something we never quite finish. Hobbies remind us that there are parts of our lives that are about process and not about completion. You don't have to be a competitive fisherman to enjoy fishing. You don't have to even catch any fish, although I hear it helps. These activities form bonds between friends and family. Same thing with music. You don't have to know any music theory to enjoy collecting music. You don't need to be a good musician to enjoy listening to music or dancing to music. It's just something that is accessible. People can enjoy it. And you don't have to be a professional. Hobbies give us the chance to dabble in different activities. It's kind of a low stakes. You don't have to like it. You don't have to stick with it sometimes, but you can. And these activities remind us that we don't always have to finish things in one sitting. And that is an important perspective for me because I like to finish things. I have a list. I like to cross things out and then I check them off. And I don't know if you're like me, but accomplishing things is really important, and hobbies remind me that it's about more than checking things off. It's about the process, and it's about just showing up and doing the thing, whether it's a total blast or a total bomb. We've talked about how hobbies embody creativity, connection, and choice, but there's something that's interesting about the history of hobbies. Our hobbies can be a way to soothe our anxieties. And this notion of hobbies as something that's productivity, something hobbies about being, 
about hobbies being about productivity is actually baked into the whole idea and the history of hobbies in our country. So this is where hobbies can go sideways, just to mark where we're at. Leisure time wasn't really measured in the US until the Industrial Revolution and until the 40-hour work week. So it's kind of a recent innovation that we have this whole industry of hobbies and the, the ability to do things for pleasure in our leisure time. But what I found is that his hobbies have become most important in US life during times of economic stress. So think about the Great Depression. It's counterintuitive to think about taking up stamp collecting or woodworking during such a time of immense pressure and anxiety. Nevertheless, in the midst of massive economic insecurity and unemployment, Magazines and newspapers urged people to turn to hobbies as the job you couldn't lose. Hobbies served as a reminder of productivity and of the ability to work when people were afraid that they would never be productive again, that they would never be employed again. Similarly, in the massive anxiety of those first days of the pandemic, People turned to baking, to knitting, to cooking, to woodworking, and other productive hobbies as almost as a way to treat the massive anxiety and stress and uncertainty. Guitar sales went through the roof, and my family only got three of them, so it's not our fault. <laughs> but there was a massive sort shortage, if you remember, of flour, of yeast, of wood, and it was because people were taking up these hobbies. Our country values productivity, and we, when we feel that uncertainty and anxiety, we use our hobbies as a way to remind ourselves that we're productive, even if we're not getting paid. I think back to the values that my crafting has embodied. Definitely the three Cs, creativity, choice, connection, but also, in a time in my life when I suddenly went from productive professor to invisible caregiver, and from the paid job of teaching young adults to the endless cycle of feeding and dishes and diapers, I can be honest and say that my sewing reminded me that I could be visibly productive, I could achieve, I could accomplish something, I could finish something. And in truth, this speaks to that larger temptation to find our sense of identity and worth in what is temporary and not eternal. My sense, my sense of work can't ultimately be based on my productivity because I'm not always going to be productive. It's true. We all face limits on what we can do and as church community is one in which we can acknowledge this reality. There are seasons of life when our sense of, st of self gets so destabilized. The tasks and responsibilities that brought order and meaning to our lives radically shift. I think about people who experience injury or sickness or whose partners or children do. Our employment status can change due to job loss or retirement 
or our relational responsibilities shift with kids going to kindergarten or graduating or our parents or our partner's health requires a different ordering of our priorities. And here in this place within our faith community, we can acknowledge those challenges and we can grieve those losses and we can continue to, to move forward. And we, we can ask ourselves, what do we do when we can't be as productive as we want or when we can't be productive in the ways that we want? American culture says, pick up a hobby. Have you considered stamp collecting or woodworking or baking? And sometimes we pick up a hobby and it is life-giving. There's nothing wrong with channeling frustration. That the frustration I feel over a bad day into making something or accomplishing something, it feels really good. But what happens when my hobby takes over my life? What if happens when it keeps me from spending time with my family? When my kids' athletic events keep us moving so quickly that we don't get to connect anymore? When my sewing becomes a way to show off my final product and I get to post it, I get to get likes? What happens when my sense of worth comes from my striving instead of from what is ultimate and what is eternal? Sometimes we need a break, and it's okay if our hobbies are completely unproductive. Someone shared this meme, and I thought it was pretty perfect. It's okay if our hobbies are unproductive. They're still hobbies. Because the, but the, the bigger truth is that our hobbies can never meet our deepest needs, and they can't alleviate our secret anxieties. As St. Augustine said more than a thousand years ago, our restless hearts can only find rest in God. And that is the truth that we also find in John 10.10, that Jesus promises an abundant life, and it's ours because we are his. The way to have a hobby, to accomplish a hobby, is just to do it and to enjoy it. Hobbies remind us that we are more than the money we make. We are more than our productivity. We're more than what we can perform. We're more than the likes that we get on social media. We're called to connection and creativity. Our hobbies remind us of that, but our hobbies can't do it all because we are restless. We want to produce, we want to escape, we want to strive, and only God can fill these deepest longings. Our restless hearts find their home when we rest in the truth of our own belovedness. Henri Nouwen has said, we are not what we do. We are not what we have. We are not what others think of us. Coming home is claiming that truth. I am the beloved child of a loving creator. We no longer have to beg for permission from the world to exist. Just as with a hobby, we are reminded that just by showing up, just by coming home and claiming this truth, we are gaining the abundant life. We are not doing, but we are rather being the thing. We are God's beloved, and our worth exceeds the value of what we do, and we can rest in this truth. And as our musicians come forward, I want to close with this prayer from Augustine's Confession. So Augustine 
wrote the confessions about his uh, journey to faith. And in the, the restless heart passage comes right at the beginning of it, and it's followed by this musing, this prayer. And he, as, as, I, you, as we pray this prayer and close, I invite you to reflect on what, what is God speaking into your life today? Maybe you need more rest, less productivity. Maybe you need that reminder that who we are is so much more important than what we do and that ultimately our restless hearts will only find rest in God. Let's pray together. Who will grant me to find peace in you? What are you to me, O God? Have mercy on me so that I may tell. Through your own merciful dealings with me, O Lord my God, tell me what you are to me. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. Say it so that I can hear it. My heart is listening, Lord. Open the ears of my heart and say to my soul, I am your salvation. And let me run toward this voice and seize hold of you, God. The house of my soul is too small for you to enter. Make it more spacious by your coming.